Oh my God, wait, we haven't talked about the face touching. The normal face touching that everybody does with their loved ones. It's so normal to like run your entire hand, palm and everything, down your loved one's face? Just rake your fingers down their face, forehead to chin. Hello, Mission Recall listeners. I'm Oriana Schwint. I'm Steve Parkhurst. And today, we're taking a trip to the fireworks factory. Uh, with John Woo's 1997 Schlockfest, Face Off. Uh, the face comes off, you see. You take the face off. That is a thing that happens several times in this movie. The actual faces don't come off several times in the movie, but it is like... A couple of times, though, they do. Yeah. Two times. Two times. I guess I guess three times, ultimately. Four, if you count, like, they're taking... Oh, a, one each. Right. Or yeah, two each. If you're, well, you're, two each. Two each. Each person gets their face switched. Yeah. Twice. I yeah. Know, math. It's hard. Anyway, uh, this is great. I had not, uh, once again, uh, I had not seen this. <laughs> Returning to an old theme it's here. It's nice. It's nice. Although well, you weren't like a devotee of this. A dove? Ote? A dove ote. We'll get into the John Woo doves later on. But, <laughs> just 20 uh, minutes about. Just all about the goddamn doves. No, I saw this movie once uh, as sort of a, a snobby teen, as mm. I recall. And I was thinking about my reaction to it at the time and why I reacted the way I did. And I do have a theory that uh, I can expound upon if you want. Yeah, sure. I mean, why not? I what guess. Else? Why else are you here? <laughs> So I thought that I thought that this movie was like too stupid, too dumb, like the premise was too silly. And like it is it is a very silly premise. It's a very silly premise, but you and I were just talking before this about how like all movies these days, which is to say mostly superhero movies, have premises that are equally if not more silly than this. Oh yes. Really. And uh you know, the premise for those of you who aren't aware of the 1997 uh, action thriller face-off is that John Travolta and Nicolas Cage swap faces. Yeah, uh, John it. Travolta's character is Sean Archer. So this will get confusing to talk about. So, it's, I'm still not sure exactly how we're going to do it. So John Travolta plays Sean Archer, who is an FBI guy. Counterterrorism. Yeah, and Nick Cage plays Caster Troy, who has a brother, Pollux Troy. Like, the, the 90s were full of writers who just really needed you to know they read a fucking book once. <laughs> I kind of missed that, honestly. Uh, <laughs> it's fine. But then, later in the movie, about half an hour into the movie, John Travolta's Sean Archer agrees to get his face off. And, so, and then, throughout the rest of the movie, is played by Nick Cage, who is playing Sean pretending to be caster uh so we will refer to characters like sean archer remains sean archer throughout the movie even when he is being played by nick by nick cage so it'll be like we'll say like nick cage as sean archer or or, or caster, caster depending yeah on the depending on the scene. scene but yeah i think that's kind of as good as you can get as like is just that the characters. We're going by the characters. And uh, yeah, so the reason that Travolta switches his face is because Castor killed his son accidentally uh, several years before when he was trying to take out Archer himself. And uh, so it's been a kind of a revenge thing for Archer ever since. He finally manages to capture Castor in this crazy airplane like taxiing scene that's mm -hmm. pretty fun and, and exciting really really great start to the movie it really is it's solid after the child murder you there, know. <laughs> yeah i mean nothing better than a child murder to start your movie so that's the start and then there's this big action scene at uh, this sort of deserted airway somewhere somewhere airport. in southern california yeah and then so caster's in a coma and there's a bomb in L.A., but nobody knows where it is. They know that Castor set a bomb, but they don't know how to get it. So the solution here is to just put, just slap Nick Cage's face onto John Travolta 
and send them out to get the information in the federal, uh, like, maximum security it's black site. It's, like, beyond Supermax. Yeah, it's like a black site that nobody knows about. But that's where his brother is being held. Nobody knows about this black site, but they do have cable television. Yeah, you can get CNN. And you can smoke. Like, you can get cigarettes, and it's fine. That's fine. But Uh, you you wear metal boots because the floor is magnetized. Which is pretty cool. But you get... But, you know, they're not monsters. You can have a smoke. You can have a smoke and you can have Wolf Blitzer on your... Sure. Oh, God. I'd rather just not have anything, honestly. Uh, Yeah, but so things go awry and Castor wakes up from his coma without a face. And he grabs the surgeon and forces him to put uh, Travolta's face on him. And then kills the surgeon and everybody who knows. Yeah. So like poor CC. Actually, like now that I think about it, uh, most of the black people. Yeah. And actually, you're right. Get get murdered pretty horribly. Pretty horribly. CCH Pounder and Robert Wisdom. Uh, I love Robert Wisdom. I'm always happy to see him pop up. I love CCH Pounder. Always great to see her pop up. So great. I was really devastated that she got like burned alive. I was hoping she's be there for like the movie right? at least most of it so that's a shame but so now there is no record of the face-off procedure happening right and so it feels like they're like aha now that the surgeon is dead this is such a specialized procedure yeah. no one else can do this uh spoilers there is someone else who can do yeah, this. Yeah, just another surgeon. They're like, hey, he's our top guy in DC. And it's like, I mean, all right, but Why they have like just... all this tech. It's not just surgery. There's like tech. They kept talking about the tech. They showed yeah. computers. And it is funny. I am a little surprised they didn't go hard on the like, oh, he's in LA. Like this surgeon is in LA. Right. They didn't really do much with that angle. And like, we don't really have time to do that. The movie is a little long and a little flabby, but that would have been kind of a fun little joke. This is where everybody goes. uh, I mean, we we get a wife is a bitch joke. So why why not not? a plastic surgery joke? Those were hot in the 90s. Uh, And it is in like this kind of Malibu looking clinic, Mm -hmm. like up in the hills. It looks very hoity-toity, very rich. It looks like somewhere where a celebrity would get a, a bit of a nip tuck. A new face. A new face. Uh, but anyway, so hijinks ensue. A lot of poor Sean getting cucked by Caster. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, Sean Archer, as played by Nick Cage, is stuck in the Supermax black site place with Thomas Jane. Yeah. Uh, and Chris Bauer from True Blood. And so... And uh, the Zodiac. And the Zodiac. John Carroll Lynch is in this, and we don't get enough of him. We don't get enough. Never enough John Carroll Lynch. He's so good. The Zodiac and, you know, uh, listen to our Volcano episode for us to talk about how great his death Volcano. scene is yeah, in there. Um, he was Drew Carey's brother on the Drew Carey show. Oh, shit. Weird little thing I remember. <laughs> I liked the Drew Carey show. I did, too. Show. I watched a lot of episodes. Yeah, that was really fun. How, why was I allowed to watch the Drew Carey show? I don't know. It was pretty anodyne. Was it on at, like, 8.30 or something? Something. That's true. I yeah. don't think it was like anything. But yeah, a bunch of people. Friends on that was show. on at eight and I wasn't allowed to watch it. Yeah. Uh oh really? You yeah. weren't allowed to watch Friends. No, there was a an episode where they talked about sex and so Ooh, I was sure. Okay. Boy, I was a sheltered child. You sure was. Is it any wonder that I haven't seen so many of these movies? Like Face Off, which I can see your parents not being down with you watching Face Off. It is kind of creepy and very violent there is some really cool creepy imagery in, yeah. in this like surprise surprise john woo is a pretty good director yeah it turns out john woo knows how to frame a scene you know and direct action and but you were talking about what your was... first experience oh, with this first and your first time getting your face off and <laughs> yeah i was such a snobby little shit like i get it I, you know just i i was like I said, I was thinking about why, and I think I know. So I can't remember exactly. Uh, so this is all just like it feels true. <laughs> uh, both of my parents are in the medical field, or were. Uh, uh, they're both retired now. Yeah, but they were both nurses, and so something that would happen any time any sort of medical procedure was portrayed while we were all watching a movie oh, is it would just get picked apart. Yeah. And I think they both did it. I think my dad was a little worse about it, but they both are guilty of doing it. It's one of the reasons I had like 
a thing against the show ER for so long. That's crazy. Because uh, like the couple of times we did watch it, it was just like, oh, that's not how that would happen. They wouldn't call that. They wouldn't do that. Why are they doing this? Oh, boy. And I internalized it. Instead of being like, guys, can you just shut the fuck up and let us watch this movie? I internalized it. I was like, yeah, that's not Ooh, realistic. It's got to be, you know, super hyper real. Yeah. And like, it's not just the medical stuff. I mentioned in the Speed episode. Oh my God. My the- dad pausing the movie to explain to my sister and I why the bus jump wasn't physically possible. Thanks, Dad. And I guess like Speed, Speed is a better movie than Face Off overall. And I guess like that wasn't enough to make me snobby about it. Whereas this, like, the medical procedure takes up such a big chunk of time. And, and so... is so very unrealistic. Well, and it's so foundational to the premise. Like, right. If you're not buying this premise, you're in for a bad time. Yeah, you might as well just shut it off. Just right. shut it off. And, it's like, not- it is very silly in that, like, they just kind of laser a line around your face and then just sort of suction it off. Yeah, it's... it's- like. What about all the, like... Your skin is attached via, like, lots of stuff. and the tendons and nerves. And, like, you can't just suck it off. <laughs> uh, so it is a little silly. But also, like, who cares? But at the same time, tonally, I will say, the movie does not take itself seriously. No, that's the thing. From the word go, Nick Cage, for reasons that are not explained is posing as a priest as caster the face-off has not happened yet <laughs> so so nick cage's caster is is decked out in priest gear installing the bomb in the la convention center as a choir sings for uh, it's it's very weird is, does like, john woo have a catholic thing he might i i also do wonder too if like the Catholicism thing was bigger in an earlier draft or an earlier edit and kind of mm. got trimmed down because, yeah, it does lot bookend of, the lot movie. Of, yeah, the, the, the scene at the end, there's a funeral and it's in the, what is clearly a Catholic uh, church. It, it's too small for like a, you know, a Proper real church. church. But like the mass that is being said is Catholic. Yeah. Like, so interesting thing there. But, but you know, Nick Cage's caster is hamming it the fuck up and it's like kind of invigorating it's so silly and so and and my kind of like oh why why are we being so silly my little feeling about that it took a second for me to go no no just like have fun it's okay it's okay to enjoy this like yeah it does remind you of like when nick cage is on one it was it's a lot of fun he was on one for this it sort of reminded me of vampire's kiss a little bit of just like him just going all in Mm -hmm. uh which he's done more of lately i feel like there was a fallow period yeah where where he was doing stuff like weatherman yeah he was kind of sad sack and it's like no we want insane sex lunatic and Nick he Cage. sure is one in yeah. this. and i i do think it kind of loses something because there's it's fun in theory to watch you know cage play travolta and travolta play cage two of our hammiest actors yeah but i i feel like neither of them quite nails it because it's them playing each other trying to play like their their original their characters like, yeah uh which is a tough balancing that act. is i don't really know how you do that i want to say like i th- personally think they did a pretty solid job mm. given the difficulties in layering that kind of performance sure i did really like it in the prison sequence uh when archer is finally starting to embrace being caster yeah when like at first he seems kind of out of his element he's looking around he's all confused and sad and and then gets into a prison like a fight fight and uh kind of starts getting the crazy eyes starts swinging things around you know starts scrapping and it that's a fun little moment Mm -hmm. so yeah i don't know i think it's i i'm not sure really what criticism i can give because i don't know how you can do it better it but, is, yeah, it is a thing that we don't really see too terribly often. Yeah. The most, I, I remember, I think, like, kind of a similar thing is when in an episode of Buffy, 
there's a doppelganger of Willow who's a vampire and she has to pretend to be kind of meek Willow. But of course it's played by Alison Hannigan who plays Willow. So like right. it's, it, it is a similar kind of layering and I don't know, maybe, maybe Alison Hannigan is slightly more successful in a similar time frame. Uh, that is true. Yeah. Right around. Yeah. 97. So Buffy was 97 and I want to say the episode in which she really has to do this is maybe is maybe season three. So you know, plus oh. or minus a couple of years. Hmm, okay. Yeah, never uh, got super into Buffy, which is kind of surprising given my whole deal. It seems like I I would have enjoyed that show more. Yeah, I feel we'll we'll take we've got like a, a long weekend that's a hundred thousand degrees outside and no car. So like that's true. Yeah, we got time. We, we got uh, nothing but time. We're right in the middle of um, the hottest. Stretch. stretch of the year and it's not just like oh a few days it's like over a week like, yeah it's like around nine days of a hundred plus, plus degrees outside which yeah. isn't awesome not super cool so <laughs> literally <laughs> and we don't have a car as i'm sure we've discussed on previous episodes so uh things are going great things we're are not going, awesome. going insane although we're not doing as poorly as the face-off guys so that's, that's yeah i guess something. we haven't switched faces we haven't switched faces yet we haven't attempted oh, your little to face do would that. be it would, it would not, not fit. fit on my skull it would not fit it, that it would, would be really weird it'd be like upsetting. uh those memes of charlie kirk where they <laughs> shrink his face down which is already like it's already, already like too upsetting. little too little too few the features are too small for the size of the canvas yeah uh, so it would just be that again. Uh, it'd be very funny. It's really... going to Photoshop that later. That'll be the cover image for, for oh, this God. episode. But yeah, so this is this is a delight. The performances, I think, are like about as good as they can be. You're kind of right in that like some of it is a little too obvious. Like Cage as Archer is is a bit too sad sack and a bit too like yeah he's crying bad a lot, yeah which we didn't and see archer doing we didn't see travolta's archer no he was just kind of aggro a he was lot he's really aggro. aggro that's kind of the i think maybe the problem is like they you know cage similar. going crazy it makes sense he's this you know arch villain basically yeah. whereas like travolta's archer is also pretty aggro and crazy yelling at his staff like slamming doors yeah. and it's just like It'd be one thing to have him be sort of a sad sack, like, you know, he's too obsessed with the job, you know, finding this guy. But I think you need more of a juxtaposition mm -hmm. between the two. You need him to be kind of sad and mopey and like he's lost his mojo. Like yeah. He's just not in it, into it like he used to be. And he's yeah. just really focused on this one thing kind of clearly at the expense of his relationships to his coworkers and to his wife and daughter. Mm -hmm. And Yeah, I, I don't. I think it's more Travolta's choices, or this could have been the director's, this could have been John Woo's choices, I'm not sure. But, like, I think he was just too aggro in the beginning. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. But, like, it is fun, you know? They, they seem like they are having a lot of fun, you know, when they switch it up. And... Again, two of our hammiest actors, two of America's yeah. hammiest uh, Oh, yeah. And <laughs> there is... I'm interpreting this is a joke where throughout the movie there you know people are like talking about how like you know nick cage is the handsomer of the two which is demonstrably untrue really really untrue and i'm i'm like i choose to interpret that as like a joke on the part of the movie right let us know if you also think that well, that's a joke on the part of the movie i think it is at one point caster while being Travolta, where he's just like, look at this ridiculous hair and this ridiculous chin. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, man, those are better than yours. Yep. Like you've got a thinning hairline yep. and no, it's, it's like it's, a pretty average chin, I guess. Yeah. But like, yeah, it's uh, also, you know, 97 was 
peak Nicolas Cage. He had just done like Con Air. Oh, uh, which we'll get to. Don't know, worry. Leaving Las Vegas. Um, mm. A few other things. And then also Travolta was in the midst of his comeback after Pulp Fiction. He was doing a bunch right. of stuff. So they were both big bankable action stars, it movie stars at this point. kind of interesting. This is the first time we're... But either of these guys are appearing it's on here. Amazing. That's a little odd. Hmm. I guess it's because we've been kind of Bruckheimer light so far. Like we d- haven't done The Rock. We haven't done Conair. Yeah. Like he was a stable in the Bruckheimer ovoir. <laughs> the the Bruckheimer rep- repertoire. Rep- rep- yeah. <laughs> uh, so I guess eventually we should do either Conair or The Rock, or I mean both, but well, sooner rather than later, and then we will get more Cage. But yet Travolta. Actually, had, didn't do a lot of action Action-y. movies. He was doing... He did do Broken Arrow, another John Woo joint. Okay. Uh, which we could do. I liked Broken Arrow as a kid. I saw it pretty young. I don't know how well, it holds yeah, up. Yeah, we'll, we'll give it a try and yeah. see. You know, occasionally we do watch a movie, and if we just can't be positive enough about it. Like, sometimes it'll just be interesting enough to talk about, yeah. but sometimes we're like, no. Nah, nah. Uh, and I don't know. Broken Arrow might actually be a fun little sort of sleeper because, like, no one talks about it anymore. But it's yeah. Uh, Christian Bale. Christian oh. Bale. Jesus. It's Christian Slater. Oh. Eh. <laughs> I was a lot <laughs> more excited about Christian Ooh, Bale. Wow. I mean, Slater is fun. I like Christian Slater. He does. He does. You know, he can ham it up. Yeah. And John Travolta. And that was kind of one of John Woo's. It wasn't his first um, English language film, but it was mm. earlier in his U.S. career. Mm. He had, you know, made his name in Hong Kong cinema. He'd worked with like Jackie Chan. He had yeah. his own hits uh, and kind of he'd gotten really big in Hong Kong, came over to America, did a bunch of stuff in the 90s, kind of, you know, went through for about, I don't know, 10 years through the studio system. Then went back to China and uh, was reasonably successful there. Made a couple of really big hits there. Red Cliff was like a huge uh, action movie in China. And then I guess kind of just, I I don't know if he like did a quiet quitting or just sort of. (laughs) Or a great resignation. Right, yeah. One of the two. Um, Supposedly on IMDb, there's something in like post-production right now. So the guy's getting up there. Like he's, he's not, he's no spring chicken or dove. Or Dove, as the case may be. Uh, but yeah, he's still working, still out there. Oh, so, that's nice. you know, good for him. He's had a hell of a career. Like, the action in this movie is fucking amazing. But before we get to, like, the really good stuff, I will ding this movie for Ooh. the rampant fake slow mo. This is, I, fe- I think we've definitely talked about it before, but this is the sort of the gladiator slow mo. Yeah. Where. They have not actually shot in a high frame rate, which is what you do when you shoot slow motion, because then when you play it at a normal speed, it stretches everything out. You're welcome for explaining how slow-mo <laughs> works. Look, I sometimes I like to show off because I learned a thing. No, that doesn't sound like no, you. No, never. But that is not that does not happen with this fake slow-mo. I, so what's interesting is you probably can picture this because it was everywhere for a long time. Everywhere. If you can't, once you do notice it, you'll start to see it in like every movie in the 90s and most of the 2000s. I feel like kind of only, early 2000s. only with digital did it start to kind of phase out. Yeah, it start, it start like around 2005, 2006, I want to say. Yeah. I feel like it started to... You know, it was on its way out. Definitely on its way out. And I kind of wonder if somebody did that style, not as a stylistic choice, but as like necessity. Like, oh my God, we we needed this to be slow-mo and we didn't shoot it. You didn't pick the high, you didn't pick 120 or whatever. And, you know, the director or the editor was like, fuck it, we'll just play it. We'll do it in post. Yeah, we'll just slow it down. And then maybe that movie was a hit or something. And then it became a stylistic choice. It feels like it kind of backdoored its way into being a stylistic choice. Because you see it, like, the Lord of the Rings movies do it. Yeah. Like, it's, it's everywhere. And it is, I've never liked it. I couldn't articulate it when I was younger. As But now, knowing what it is. Right. It's like, oh, God, I fucking hate that. 
And what's funny about uh, this movie in particular is there is a lot of real slow motion. Yeah, that looks great. That looks amazing. And that almost makes it worse when mm-hmm. they do the fake slow motion. Yeah. Because it's like, come on, you didn't shoot this? You shot everything in slow you shot, motion. You shot so much in actual slow motion. I know you know the difference. Yeah. And in so many of the cases of the fake slow-mo, it's unmotivated. Or it, it looks unmotivated. Yeah. I don't see any real reason to do it. Yeah, it feels like you could have just been a lot like a little more intentional about the speed at which the actors were were doing things. I think it's also used a lot to hammer home that something is important, important and just like emotionally resonant, like something bad has just happened to the lead. He's looking at something in despair, like his partner got shot or, you know, his house blew up or whatever. And so then you get the slow motion kind of reaction shot. And it's like, I don't know, you knew it was a reaction shot of something bad happening. Why didn't you just shoot it in slow motion to begin with? Either shoot it in slow motion or just like have your actor do acting. (laughs) Or have your actor do acting. As you know, there's, (laughs) (laughs) there's a note for all the directors out there. Try to get your actor to do some acting. I'm trying to segue into producing. So oh, this, okay. is, this is my version of like helpful producer notes. Oh, great. Okay. That does sound like a note. It doesn't it? Just, like oh, can he be note. like, can he like act this more? So story wise, like there is a point at which these two men are like fighting each other. And it's like, uh, neither of us likes this. <laughs> neither of us likes having each other's face. Travolta as as caster is like, uh, let's just switch faces back. And Cage as Archer is like, no, because you took, like, that won't bring back what you took from me. I do find that a little weak. It's a little unbelievable. Uh, Yeah, I agree with you, especially because it would have been relatively easy, I think, to have it would have required a pretty big change in the story or the script in general, but have one of them, probably Cage, probably Caster, have Caster like being. Yeah, uh, he gets to be this big FBI hero. That seems like it would be like really interesting to explore how he's enjoying that. And that actually kind of brings me to my like, what if, which is I'm kind of intrigued that they didn't turn this into a tv series because it does feel like it i don't know if it would actually like work work as a as a tv series for like you know four or five seasons or something but it kind of does feel like an 80s or 90s tv series kind of like the fugitive or you know manimal or something manimal someone was tweeting about manimal but it does feel like one of those things where like oh it's this like kind of long cat and mouse where like you know archer wants his face back and caster does not want to give him his face back and like they they kind of follow each other around the globe or whatever it does have sort of a 60s or 70s TV show Yeah, maybe show even further back. Yeah, the think, original Mission Impossible or something. Yeah, because like in the 90s, you know, it that feels a little bit like they just wanted cop shows and lawyer shows. And less, this would be a cop this show. This would be a cop show, but like there generally, I feel like, weren't quite as many high concept shows in the 90s. Not for dramas. Anyway. Yeah, I wonder if it could be kind of a, a cable because like Sopranos, Sopranos, Oz. Well, yeah, if we're getting into like the 2000s, then yes, that feels more so, plausible. you know, turn this around 90, I feel like around 1999, you could turn this into like yeah. kind of a cool cable. Yeah, I bet it was probably like shopped around at some point. Definitely. Because like it was a hit. It wasn't like a massive hit. I think it was critically a little panned for the reasons we already talked sure. about. Uh, but it was successful. Uh, John Woo did Mission Impossible 2 shortly after this. For, <laughs> whoopsie. You know, yeah, well, that's a bit of a whoopsie, but like he got handed <laughs> the keys to a big franchise mm-hmm. based a lot on the fact that this movie did fairly well. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, like like you were saying, the action 
holds oh, it's up. it's so good. Yeah, it let's, amazing. let's talk about that now and how fucking great it is. It's just really solid. It's competent action. It and like, holds up. Not just competent, but original. Like, there's just so much happening. Like, the boat chase at the <gasps> end. Boat I, chases. <laughs> Remember when boat chases were a thing? I haven't seen a boat chase in a long and I, time. Like, I'm guessing it's because they're probably expensive and dangerous, but like, it, this looks, I yelled holy shit out loud like multiple times. There's a bunch of stunts and like it's all pretty seamless. There's like one shot where they're flying through the air that's a little comp Yeah, where like it's comping something like that or compositing something yeah. like that is, is difficult. Sure. And it looks pretty good given the difficulty. Yeah, and otherwise like it's all looks as good today as it did back then. Like... There's so many explosions. And what was really impressive, there's just one that stuck out to me where there's an explosion, like one boat runs into a dock and blows up. And we get the point of view from the other boat that's Mm. still going as it's like speeding away from the explosion. And the camera is able to be on the boat shooting the explosion all at like real speed or real at least speed, pretty close we're, we're in focus in focus with it all framed up so you get the explosion like how many takes did they really have to do right that? did they have more than one I'm, I'm gonna guess no i'm hope like maybe they just had like really you know they were really on it in a rehearsal like yeah and like they probably got a lot of coverage just in case that didn't work because you did see the explosion like three or four times Uh, in that another thing that needs to come back along with boat chases is like yeah you guys spent a lot of money on this explosion i'll watch it four times i i I would love to i would love to see the car flipping and exploding from 10 different angles or the boat crashing through another boat (gasps) flying through the air as an explosion goes off hell yeah dude! i that was the moment where I made the loudest exclamation. Uh, yeah, I heard it. Was was just you know this this speedboat carrying Travolta, no cage is it just like blows through it goes airborne through an LAPD boat, just like tears through it and explodes it and it's fucking amazing looks really cool and you know that's pretty i think like my big ding against the movie is that there's a pretty flabby middle where there just isn't that much action that's not to say there's none but there's just a lot of kind of the cat and mouse stuff and caster being a real weirdo to (laughs) archer's wife and his daughter yeah it's pretty upsetting although he ends up kind of Giving her some nice life lessons, weirdly. It is, yeah. He does beat the shit out of Danny Masterson, so Which that's cool. Great. That's great. Oh, if only, if, if only, only it had been real life. You know, hope he, hope he caught the edge of a punch. Right. Uh, looked like he landed off, you know, got flipped over the car and maybe landed a little hard. That hope was probably, that wasn't a stunt was Probably a stunt, stunt guy. But like, there's just kind of a lot of things happening in the middle that needed to happen plot wise, I guess. But I was kind of feeling it a little bit. And then like the boat chase is great. Uh, the prison break sequence is really fun. So good. I love the reveal of it being an old oil derrick out in the, That's great. Uh, in the ocean. That's very clever. I'd never uh, seen that before. Sort of Alcatraz, but it's you know on a yeah on a oil derrick instead of on a uh, island. Great, just a solid reveal. I like there's the big airplane sequence, like the one that kicks off the movie. Yeah, fucking amazing. Like holy shit. There's some really good set pieces here that are so well executed. It's just like I worry. Let me put on my old man yelling at clouds oh good it's this uh, it's time for for this portion of the podcast yeah do we just do this every week i, I think feel we, like do. we do but it's also just like it feels like we're losing the institutional knowledge to be yeah, able to pull stuff like so. this off and like yeah yet again i'm going back to like cgi and like how that's you know bad blah 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 you've heard it all before but i think the other part of the cgi thing is just that like it takes a lot of time and effort and skilled craftspeople to pull off these big set pieces, mm-hmm. to film an explosion from a moving boat yeah. in an active harbor. It looked like it was, you know, near like the Port of yeah. LA. And like those kinds of things are very difficult to do. And yeah, you know, you can pull off a lot more, a lot cheaper and safer. Like ultimately it is much it is safer to do safer. it, you know, on a blue screen or 
you know, now just maybe completely like in the computer, in the computer, in the volume. Uh, if you're a Disney Plus show, oh um, right, that's what they call it. Yeah, it's not the Unreal Engine. Well, it is. They use the they Unreal use the Unreal Engine. Engine, but they call it the volume. Oh, that's fucking weird, man. I do think it actually sounds kind of cool. Oh but, no! But you know, ultimately, the Borg has assimilated you. The Borg uh, is all powerful. Join it. <laughs> Join us. I mean it. This this episode will come out after Steve's latest short oh. premieres. I'm going to plug it now. It's oh, called wow. The Smog, and you should watch it. We'll put a link in the show notes. It's on uh, YouTube. Yeah. Check it out. It's it's only like nine minutes long. You got nine minutes to it's kill. It's great. And we have like some incredible actors. We have a guy who is like the second coming of Robert Patrick. We have like Indian Keanu Reeves, <laughs> like South A- South Asian Indian. Uh, they're both amazing. Uh, we also got old Steve Cinematic Universe uh, character actor Paige. <laughs> Paige is in every, Paige every is in single all one of Steve's of, movies. Of my shorts. And she's uh, great. We love Paige. It's always great to have her. Uh, but yeah, it's a lot of fun, I think. I don't know. I, I'm maybe no, a no biased. explosions because we had what am I made of money? No budget. Yeah, it was <laughs> but you know, there is like a, a mug smash. There's a mug smash. There's a mug smash. There's some like, you know, there's some special effects that Steve did like all on his own and learned Cinema 4D to complete. And uh, I helped I helped him with like getting the footage of the of the like dry ice that, that oh, God, forms that the smog. Dry ice. Jesus Christ. Yeah. But visual, visual effects are hard. We they we, are we know firsthand how yeah. how difficult they can be and how finicky. Yeah, even with a computer. No, it is like I do feel bad, kind of slagging on CGI every week, basically uh, every episode, because like there is a lot of artistry and it can be done very well. They can do they can enhance so much. Yeah. It can be used really well. I just you know I'm just kind of sad for. Other craftsmen, you know, there was that Disney exactly. Plus documentary series On about ILM, ILM yeah. Industrial Light and Magic, and it was interesting. Uh, it's a good documentary, actually. It's a pretty good it series. It is pretty solid. It's mostly about Star Wars, but they touch on some other stuff they've done as well. And for a show that is, you know, corporate propaganda, basically. Yeah. You know, it's ILM is, I don't know if they're actually owned by Disney, but they are certainly a very close partner. Yeah, all of the stuff that they worked on is now is owned, now by, owned Disney. by Disney. So it was interesting to see a piece of corporate propaganda actually get pretty like sad, nostalgic, like kind of forlorn for a lost time. Mm-hmm. You know, they talk about how like, yeah, that was the moment we knew we were losing our jobs yep. and our way of life was over and things were changing forever. And some of them were able to transition into computers some just weren't mm-hmm. and you know like there is a real melancholy mm-hmm. to the whole thing and like that ilm you know is not really relevant to this movie because it's all basically practical in camera in the sense of like you know ilm was doing visual mm-hmm. effects. visual like you know, miniatures matting, and matting and puppets kind of and... Stuff. uh so it's different but it is like most of the stuff you see in movies like Face Off just doesn't get done these days, partly for safety reasons, which is a very good reason. Yes. Um, but mostly for affordability. It's a lot cheaper. It's, that's what it really is. It's a lot cheaper. There are no unions involved. That's that's really, that's it. That's all it is. If you just, if you know, there's just no unionized. There's uh, no unions involved and like you get companies overseas that are just. Right underbidding it's it's just everything that happened with manufacturing happening with the arts now yeah. which is pretty scary to think about and a real bummer yeah uh so i don't know man like I, it is interesting i feel like there is amongst our people our age and I, I i hate to make it a generation thing but you know sort of our age and and older and maybe you know even people like in the sort of their late 20s there is this like extreme nostalgia for tactile things like human human beings are a tactile species we like to touch things (laughs) yes and we like I think there's just something about the way our minds work that subconsciously rebels against all of this stuff on screen that we know isn't touchable. 
Yeah, you can tell, like, you know, there's the old Uncanny Valley thing of, like, the human eye is so good at detecting other human faces and can spot any anomaly that the Uncanny Valley is not impossible to overcome, but very, very difficult. It's almost impossible to traverse the Uncanny Valley. And I think you're right that, like, there's a similarity there to a tactile real explosion, a boat actually crashing through a wall. Where you can just tell, like, the physics of everything is is correct, because mm-hmm. it has to be. And, like, as close as a movie or TV show can get to replicating that, I don't know, maybe at some point they'll be able to clear that hurdle. But it's still, I think, even if you don't actively recognize it, a part of your brain can tell. Mm-hmm. And that's a bummer. It <laughs> is, know? it is. That is, like, you know... I'm always going on about texture and I think that is related to this sort of tactile portion of our brains where you just you want to be able to you can't reach through the screen and touch things but you you want to be able to and know that you are touching something so a little little minor tangent here going off of that like a lot of this I think was kicked off by that Twitter thread where it started with a video of just people handling old machines like uh, VCRs, Mm. cassette decks, record players, even just like old, you know, TV sets where you actually press the buttons on the TV. Dude, I fucking loved turning clicking? the, yeah, clicking the, the little Oh my the God, dials. it was so satisfying. I remember the old like uh, stereo set that my parents had and just oh, sliding yeah. the dials up and down, clicking through the, the <laughs> channels, <laughs> all the chunking and clunking. And yeah, it, it hadn't really occurred to me until I saw that video. Of, like, There's very few things we do now where you get a similar sensation. Even cars most new cars you get are being taken over by screens which is bad. i can't i can't believe that they're putting giant screens in cars well there's also like the safety issue with cars exactly where like that's what i mean muscle memory you know you know where the dial is to turn on the radio or, or the heat or the, the ac, AC etc but like you have to look at the screen every time yeah your finger doesn't really know where in space this stuff is it remembers the feel of the button Mm -hmm. uh, or the knob it doesn't know like where on a giant screen the auxiliary button and i mean even even the buttons and the the very tactile you know ways of working a radio uh, an ac whatever in the car even that you know, when I first started driving, I like was not allowed to listen to the radio <laughs> because it was kind of it, it's, it's still kind of distracting. It it's it's nowhere near the level of distraction that you get. And you do form a muscle memory over right. time, but it isn't perfect. Right. So I don't know, like it all feels of a piece, you know. All the texture has kind of been smoothed out. Like everything we interact mm-hmm. with is on a smooth screen. And look, phones can do some amazing shit. It's yeah. it's pretty impressive what all the things that a phone can do. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it is. I do kind of miss having multiple little gadgets that all do little things. Little things. Even and- something like not that long ago, like an iPod. Remember the clicking Yes, I loved the click wheel. We all loved the click wheel. I loved actually what I really loved was being able to press, you know, skip a song. Sure. And you can't do the, you can't do that like tactilely. You right. can't just without looking click. Just click. Yeah. Like I think that's also why I you know, obviously I text on my phone, but I prefer not to. I prefer to text from my computer. You like type in. I clickety clackety. I baby. need my, I need my keyboard. Yeah, you know I don't like I um, I can text just fine. I'm not incapable, <laughs> but I I'm prefer relatively if I'm incapable. if I ha- if I'm having a conversation with someone via text, I, I I really want to be able to type using my keyboard. I do remember several years ago. I think back when I was at Insider, there was a company that was pushing like sort of a keyboardless keyboard in that like it just a, a little like light would shine the keyboard onto your desktop <gasps> oh and then I, you yeah would, i you remember would type that on that no and even if it worked which i don't think it ever did but let's say it did actually work i think the reason it would never really take off is like 
you want the click and the clack. You need yeah. that like tactile response to yeah. know you pressed the button. Yeah. And I think even Apple keyboards now are not clacky enough. No. They're they're fairly flat. Um, and it's a flat fuck Friday. <laughs> so anyway, this has been old people yelling at clouds yeah, hour. You know, face off is good. It's full of texture. A lot of texture. You know, yeah. even stuff like so. <laughs> this movie is ridiculous. You have to buy into the premise. I did buy into the premise and had a wonderful time. But you, there are certain times where like they are taking. John Travolta's face off and okay that's cool and they are then with his fully exposed not face oh yeah they are cutting his hair to be like Nick Cage's hair and it's like no that's all getting into his exposed Flash. muscles yeah. and like oh no why couldn't you couldn't have waited this could have this could have waited it's like Kramer dropping the junior mint yes. in the guy's <laughs> chest cavity. That is it. Like, yeah, it's like no, the no. more irritating. Like, I don't know if anyone here has ever like, you know, after a haircut or something and there's some of the, they didn't get all of the, the stuff off, off your, your neck. Oh yeah, it's awful. It's terrible. Imagine it under your under face. Under your, so deep under your skin that you can't get to it. So there's this fun little moment that I wish they'd leaned into more because it's just so kind of weird and charming uh, <laughs> where uh, Nick Cage is now Archer. The face transplant has occurred and Archer is kind of leaving the facility or going off to do something. and like Some FBI thing. Some FBI thing. And he just sort of rubs his face against the side of the building and his, not partner, but like his coworker. Boss? Colleague? Whatever. I don't think it's his boss. Oh, I guess it isn't boss. He's, anyway, he's like right the, one there. of the two people who knows. Yeah, one of the, yeah, two people who knows. Rubs his face, like just squeezes his cheeks together and, and rubs it to like, you know, make the itching go away. Because he's like, my face itches. And it's it's this weird kind of sweet, tender moment. Yeah. I wonder if that is as a result of them getting hair in his... I choose to believe. That's right. my little... That's like my little headcanon. Anyway, it's a it's a weird little moment. There's no real other moments like that. Just a funny one-off. Like, I feel like maybe Cage improvised it. And right. Wu was and, just and like, yeah, all right, awesome. Wu Love goes it. along with it. And Robert Wisdom is like, yeah, sure. sure. I'll, uh, I'll rub Nick Cage's face, whatever. Uh, anyway, like just, yeah, a lot of fun little kind of surprises here and there throughout the movie that uh make it just a, a fun watch it's on that was prime right? it was on amazon prime yeah. if you can get through all of the lord of the rings show promo stuff boy they they redid their app and uh i don't i think they need a couple more builds there. yeah yeah it's, it's, <laughs> a, bit it's a bit of a mess it's a bit of a mess but you know face off is great yeah face off is fun Check really holds up and really you do just have to buy into the premise it is still very silly yeah you know, fourteen-year-old me had a point. It's very silly. Oh, so much of this is silly, but in a way that I want to point out is completely sincere. It mm-hmm. isn't winking silliness. Yeah. It isn't cynical silliness. It's liter, or at least I'm not interpreting it as cynical silliness. I don't think so. I, you know, I know there was a lot of irony. You know, the '90s were a pretty heavily so ironic, ironic time, isn't it? Ironic, isn't it? Don't you think? But I don't. John Woo is not like a super like ironic filmmaker. I don't know. I apologize because i'm almost certain i mentioned this earlier uh when i watched the new spider-man movie far from home no way no home. way home no way i can't keep trying keep we straight. get it home home there's a conversation that happens about spider-man or oh, jesus maybe it's multiverse of madness i genuinely <laughs> cannot keep these straight they talk about spider-man and they just start talking about like so what does he like shoot webs from his butts like his name's spider-man it's so ridiculous like i don't know you guys have had aliens destroy new york like five times now yeah like 
I don't need the wink and the nod about how ridiculous this premise is. That makes me not buy into it. Mm -mm. Like, if you just present it with a straight face, just as facts, like, yeah, you can just kind of suction people's faces off and switch them. Yeah. And it works. Yeah. And if you're just like, yep, don't worry about it. Just go with it. I'll be like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to go with it. John Woo, let's fucking go. Let's fuck, vroom, vroom, let's fucking go. And if you instead have faceless Nick Cage turn to the camera and be like, isn't this a whole load of wacky nuts stuff? This is crazy. Like, fuck off. I don't want that. I know it's crazy. I know this is weird. Now I know you know it's weird and I'm like... Yeah, and like, you know... The magic is broken. uh, Cage as Archer does acknowledge like he does have like a breakdown about how stupid this was <laughs> but it you know it, i like it because it is it is it is of course insane but it is uh, this grieving father who wants to get the guy who yeah. it makes killed sense his son in universe like it makes sense in the context of like jesus i can't believe i did this yeah i, I went too far man yeah yeah it's not a like oh how crazy it was like oh my god i can't fucking believe i did this yeah and that makes sense from his character at that point like, in the story yeah of course so oh my god wait we haven't talked about the face touching the normal face touching that everybody does with their loved ones it's so normal to like run your entire hand just kind of and everything down your loved one's face just rake your fingers down their face forehead to chin just it, totally you know. totally normal like seemingly like not like a it's not a fingertip brush it's like it's your whole starting hand, your you're palming their Face, yeah, basically. like a basketball. It's very, very normal. John Travolta's family, his whole fucking his whole family, family does, does, it. does it. They said, and like it is, it's like a, you know a thing that they set up so that it can pay off later in the movie, and it does. Sure, but it is also like it isn't quite used. I thought it was going to be a thing where like Archer's wife you know, tries to do it to him and Caster and and Nick Kate or and Caster as Archer is like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, and that doesn't like, happen. <laughs> imagine if somebody just walks up to you and sticks their palm in your face, you would kind of react viscerally. You'd yeah, pull away. You'd be like, yeah. oh. And so that would have actually made some sense if he had done that. And then she's like, wait a second. Hmm. Like, this we is the thing you this. did, yeah. Archer. This yeah. is your weird little thing that we all adopted because you're bigger than you're us. Tot- yeah, right? Like, <laughs> oh, I guess we all have to do this now. Uh, so that was just such an odd thing. I also, yeah, I really thought that that was going to like play a a different role in the movie. I think the screenwriter thought they were being very clever with like, oh, this is a sweet thing that is he does to his family. They do it to each other. And, and then it's, it just... And it's like, oh, the face. It's, you know, yeah, it all ties in. Yeah. But it just is so unsettling every yeah. time. What, like, I wonder if in the screenplay it, it was a different thing and then for some reason they decided to... Like, it wasn't playing on, yeah. the, on camera well. It had well. to get bigger. They had to make it bigger, but it's turned into something that no one would ever actually do no normal person if you ever do this you're a freak and a weirdo it's totally, and you should be imprisoned totally bizarre in a maximum security black site <laughs> right get I, some get some metallic boots on some magnetic boots because you aren't fit for society there's no rehabilitation possible throw for archer you. back I'm in sorry. there for that yeah so I, just so wild but like an, an intriguing it's an choice. interesting choice it's a choice a choice was made yeah exactly and they did follow through on it uh and you know we're talking about it i guess it worked exactly <laughs> <laughs> 